0: Turning your Bible to the book of Psalm, we're continuing our sermon series that we've called Bless You, Measure My Days. Measure, you're welcome, Measure My Days. God's Word tells us clearly that one of the things that we should be aware of is how long this life is and ultimately it is very, very short. And so this is kind of like our main verse for this series and so I want to look at it again. This is a prayer of David. And it's my prayer that this will become your prayer this morning. Psalm 39, and I'm going to start in verse number 4. Psalm 39, verse 4. It says, Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, And my age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. That's, that's, that's how I read it. I'm sorry. So, uh, listen, because our, life is, because our life is brief, because this life is short, it's but a vapor, a hand breath, um, uh, we need to understand a few things about this life. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning is this idea of what is your treasure? Where is your treasure? And Jesus talked about this. Uh, this idea of having treasure and what you're to do with it. Look at it in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. This life is short. So in view of how short this life is, Matthew six nineteen, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Okay, so it's don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. In other words, don't put your very best into things that won't last. Right? Don't put your best into things that will not last don't put all your effort all your time all your energy all your money into things that won't last don't put all your focus all of your affection into things that won't last because they're just going to burn up in the end and it's just not going to amount too much you can't take it with you so jesus said don't let your treasure be in this earth right so what do we do look at verse 20. he says but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, so we don't lay up treasures on earth. We're to lay up treasures in heaven. Why is that even important? Look at verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Where you invest, where you pour yourself out, that's where your heart's going to drift to. So if you're investing in things of this world, your heart's going to always be pulled towards the things of this world. If you're investing in heaven, it's going to be towards heaven. But the question is, what is your treasure? Write this down in your notes. The Greek word for treasure is that word thesaurus. It means a deposit, wealth right? A deposit. Where are you putting your best? Where are you putting your your absolute effort? Where are you putting your energy, your resources, your time? Are you depositing? Are you making a deposit into those things that are going to last forever? Or are you making deposits every day into things that just don't matter and aren't going to last forever? And what I want to ask you, and if you look at this next slide if you can answer this question honestly by the time we leave this morning my prayer will be answered i want you to be able to look at that question where is your treasure and not even i want you to do something about it but just admit and be honest with yourself where your treasure really truly is. Look at the last seven days of your life, the last week of your life, this weekend. Where is your treasure? Are you more focused on things that don't last, or are you more focused on things that are going to last forever? Is your treasure on earth? Because if it is, your heart's going to drift towards these temporary things. Are your, is your heart set on things above? If it is, you're naturally going to be pulled in that direction. Now, as I get started, I want to tell you on the front end, this sermon isn't all about money, so relax. Okay, some of you tensed up. Oh, but we're going to talk about money. But listen, even though this message isn't about money, and I hope you'll see that, uh, money is a good reflection on where our treasure is, is it not? If we're buying things that we don't need, right, and, and with money that we don't have, it's a pretty good reflection that we're investing in here and now that we think things are the main thing. Uh, Jesus, uh, actually, uh, he tells us some things here in his word. He he told us, uh, you know, don't lay up treasure for yourself. Uh, Lay up treasure in heaven where it's going to last forever. And then he says, you're worried about all this stuff. Your father in heaven knows that you need stuff, knows that you need things, and he's going to take care of that. And then look at Matthew 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first, say first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Let's say that verse together on the count of three, one, two, three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Listen, uh, we, we see that uh, what we place first, that's where our heart is. That's where our treasure is. Is it on these temporary things or these things that are last forever. We want to seek first what lasts forever. Now, okay, I've already tried to make you to relax a little bit about your money. Let me make you relax about your things. Look at this next slide. This isn't about things. It's not wrong to have things, but it's wrong to seek things first. It's not wrong to have things. I hope you've got some things. I see you. You have things. Okay. Things aren't the problem, but it's wrong to seek things. What is the old expression? All right. You can have things. Just don't let things have you right and that's absolutely true but the question is this morning how would your life be different how would you look at things differently how would you look at where you're investing your time treasure your talent your energy your focus your love your heart your attention how would that be different if you recognize this life is over like that that it's brief man it doesn't last like we live like we're going to be here forever you're not going to be here forever And so what I want to do, in light of the reality of how short life is, in light of the reality of what Jesus Christ says we should seek first, I'm going to give you three very practical things, insights, uh, that I hope that you will apply to your life. Number one is this. We need to guard against greed. Guard against greed. This is something that you have to maintain. Like, greedy people don't become greedy people on purpose. But what happens is they don't seek first the things that they should guard against greed. Stop putting treasure in things of this world. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, look at it. It says, and he he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness that's just greed man he's saying watch out and don't be greedy for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his things that he possesses don't and don't blow by this we read scripture i don't know man some of y'all i know you've got good imaginations but you read scripture and you go and he said to him take heed and beware of covetousness and London does that's not what he's saying here man he's saying watch out You're going to be fooled into thinking that what this is is all there is, and it's not. it doesn't even mean anything. Your life is more than the stuff that you have. Don't slip into that materialistic trap. You're you're not your house. You're not your car. You're not your truck. You're not your clothes. You're not your things. That's not who you are. Watch out. Jesus says, be on guard. Now, I understand this morning that if I were to ask you, and we're all like churchy people, and we're all churching right now in church. Some of us are churching better than others, I'll be honest with you. And so I don't even know what that means. But listen, and if I were to ask you, you know, are possessions important or whatever, you would say, life is no family. God first. All these things are more important than possessions and, and things. And you would sound like, th- I don't know if you'd sound, but you'd sound very holy and... Yeah, God first, then family, then (laughs) Tennessee. No, I'm just kidding. But listen, I can't even look at y'all when I say that. Life isn't about things and possessions. The truth is, all of us would say that life isn't about things. That's what our mouth would say. But we talked about this recently on Wednesday night. There's two witnesses. Two witnesses. One's your mouth and one's your life. Your mouth says that things aren't important. Your life says things mean a whole lot to you. As a matter of fact, it's a priority in your life. If we look at the way that you live, your actions may say things are really what matter. We want more and more stuff. We think. When, remember, we talked about this when and then. When, and then, when I do this, then I'll be happy. When I make this amount of money, then I'll be happy. When I get to buy this house, then we'll start thinking. Of, when I get here, then I'll tithe. When I get here, then I'll slow down and spend more time with my, fu- my family. When and then. When and then. The problem is when we have a when and then, the when never comes. It just changes. Hey, if I ever can make this much in a month, then I'll start being a generous person. And then you start making that much and guess what? You're not a generous person. If you're not generous with $10, you'll never be generous with $10,000. It'll never happen. The goal line will keep moving. Win and then. And the win never ever comes. When this happens, I'll finally be happy. We pursue these stupid things because we think these stupid things is where we find happiness. But if we just look back on our life, every time we had some stupid things, they just became stupid things. They make you happy for five seconds and then you move on and you're not happy anymore. Right, it's like eating cotton candy, right? It's good, man, right? But it doesn't last. It's not gonna get you anywhere. And it's like you just keep going back to the cotton candy of the world and you're shoving it in and you're shoving it in and you wonder why you're not satisfied and why you're not full. Cotton candy was never meant to satisfy you or fulfill you. The things of this world were never meant to satisfy and fulfill you. The reason why you're not satisfied and full is because you're filling up on the things of the world and not things that'll last forever. We pursue these dumb things, man, this treasure on earth. The Bible says, watch out. I got to watch out all the time because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm just a regular dude, man, and I want to provide for my family, don't you? I want to provide really good. I want to keep mama happy. I want to keep babies spoiled. I mean, I do. I mean, I'm not sure. I want to provide for my family, right? I want to do the best that I can to provide for my family. But the truth is, when often, especially for if you're like men like me and you kind of, There's a danger in that because you think that you have to give them things. Look at this next slide. I want you to understand this. You are the best thing that God has ever given your family. You, and you're spending all your time, you're working all the hours you can, getting all the overtime, making all the money. I know you got bills to pay, and I hope you work hard to pay them. But many times we're working for extra stuff. They gotta have the best car, the best house, the best vacation. We gotta go on five cruises this year, okay? We gotta do everything. I gotta have all these things. When you are the best thing that God has ever given your family, you're giving them cheap stuff substitutes to make up for when you're not there you are the best thing God has ever given your husband, your wife your children, your grandchildren you, not the stuff not the things nobody ever got to their deathbed and said the best thing that ever happened to me in my life is my daddy worked overtime if you have to, you work and man, you work hard you work for Jesus Right? Don't let some lost pagan out here outwork you. Stop embarrassing us. But make sure, make sure that your treasure is in heaven on things that last. The best thing you can give your family is you. Jesus said, "Watch out, man. Be on guard." And then Jesus went on in Luke's Gospel. And he tells this story about this guy, this businessman, and business is good. He's got a bumper crop, crops are so good, he doesn't even know what to do with everything. And so he's like this, I'm gonna build a bigger barn. I'll build a bigger barn, a better barn. Bigger, better, bigger, better, bigger, better. And then when I fill up my barns, then right, I'll rest, then I'll be happy. What does the Bible say? Look in Luke chapter 12, verse 20 this guy's like when then when then god says fool say fool feels good all right this night your soul would be required of you then whose would those things be which you have provided when then when is never coming Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's saying, fool, this night your soul be required of you. Then whose will these things be what you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I promise you, if you live with an understanding of how short life is, how brief life is, it'll change your outlook on things. We talked about this in the early service, but all that stuff, all those things that we think are so important, someday they're going to be hanging up on the wall at Cracker Barrel while strangers eat biscuits looking at your ugly face. Amen? I mean, you're not ugly. Well, some of you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're worried about all this stuff that's going to be auctioned off to strangers that don't even like you. Never even heard of you. And you're worried about stuff. And Jesus says, watch out. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15 again. Look at it in this translation. Watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. And man, if you're here this morning, it is awesome. I, ooh, I praise God if he's blessed you and you're a filthy, stinking rich. I think that is so awesome. And I'm not even pretending and just tithe. No, I'm kidding about that. No, I'm not kidding, but you know what I'm saying. And so I know, I shared this. One of the things that I do to guard against greed in my life is whenever I visit with somebody and, uh, and some of our, we've had like some like multi-millionaires and some and they're living really, really good, right? And you go and visit with them and it's like, oh I mean, it's just like, wow. And one of the things that I always do when I go visit somebody, one of the things that I say in my heart is this. God is my witness. Oh, Jesus, thank you for blessing them. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, they got a beautiful house. Oh, Jesus, thank you for being so good to them. Lord, bless them some more. Give them some more. Help them, Father. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being rich, rich, You just need to make sure that you're rich towards things that will last forever also. Don't just be rich. Here, you're just renting. You don't own it. It's not yours. It'll be a Cracker Barrel someday. I guarantee it. You're just renting. You're not even renting to own. It'll never be yours. Never. Don't get hung up on it. Make sure, be rich here. Awesome. Thank God for that. Be rich here, but be rich in the things in heaven also. It's here for a little while and it's gone. Guard against greed. Number two, write this down. Also, I don't know about you, but I want to live generously. And there's a trap for pastors. We deal with benevolent needs all the time and you become kind of jaded right? There are people always coming and that, you know, it's, it's hardly ever church, but let me, listen, if you're a part of our church family and you need some financial help, please come see me. I'll, I, I man, we'll, we'll help you, man. We're like, we'll do anything we can to help you. But the kind that we see, that I see regularly are not church people or, you know, anything like that. And then you meet them and the stories are always kind of the same. And you're always kind of think, man, we're being used. Right, but I'd rather be used. God knows the heart, right? I'd rather be used than not be generous. And so what can happen is over time you get a little jaded, right? You start seeing people and you're just like, here we go again. You know this guy's story before he can get it out of his mouth. Oh, I know you're traveling to so-and-so and then so-and-so happened. And then you had to get your mama's in the hospital in Oregon and you're trying to get there and you just need a little gas money. Does that make sense? All the time. But when believers need help. I'm going to be honest with you, man. It's exciting to be able to help brothers and sisters in Christ where you know this is something that we can help with. That is a blessing. And you need to get to the point in your life where you see it as a blessing too, where you want to live generously. Because we'll see when we see how brief life is, we'll see that everything belongs to God and we'll use it like he wants to use it. Again, like we talked about in our midweek Bible study, we're just renting, you don't own it. Even the fact that you're getting old, man, yeah, you are. And you're not me, but you. And the fact that you're getting older is proof that you're renting and not owning. Because if you owned it, you trade it in, get a new one. Wouldn't you, anybody? Not your husband, you, amen. Yeah. The fact that you're aging tells you this isn't forever. This isn't for keeps. You're only borrowing. You're renting. You're not the owner. The fact that we hurt so much, we know that we're renting. We need to live generously. Be generous with your money. Be generous with your things. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your affections. Be generous with your focus, your attention, your heart, with your love, with your entire life. Why? Because you cannot You cannot love without giving. Where there is no giving, there is no love. There is no love without giving. Love gives. Anytime there's love, there is giving. Where there is no giving, there is no love. Listen, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Matter of fact, God set this uh, principle up for us. John 3, 16, you know it. For God, so what did he do? Loved? Did he did what? he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved, he gave. And he didn't just give a little. He gave the number one most important thing, the best thing that he had to give, his son, Jesus Christ. When you love, you give. Don't you love it when you get to give presents to your children and they open the presents and they're like, they're like excited and it's like awesome. I remember um, I used to be excited and would be surprised by the gifts and my stepdad was too because he never knew what we was getting because my mom always he's like what'd you get <laughs> don't you love giving to your children where there's listen where there's love there is giving always and it just it amazes me when people say and we're talking about money again it's just people think that all we talk about in church is giving and money and like all i ever preach about down there all I ever they just want my money that's not all we preach about and that's all you think about is your money that's the difference as a matter of fact, if right now, listen, just please lean into this. Right now, if in this message, your treasure, my money, and he's trying to get my money. I don't want your money. Let me tell you, listen, I'm going to be honest. Let me just be mean, okay? Grace Baptist Church has been doing just fine without your money, and we'll keep doing fine without your money. If you don't want to give to the Lord joyfully, do not give. Stop today. God will bless where he wants to bless. He's been doing it without your money. He'll keep doing it. If that bothers you, if as soon as we start talking about treasure, there's like this thing in your heart and that wall starts coming up, you're like, oh, preacher's talking about my money. He's talking about my money. And you just, you start pushing back on the inside. You know, you know, you know what, if you're doing it, what that says is this, not that the preacher's always talking about money, not that the church is always wanting your money. What it says is this, you've got a problem with money. And if if I was preaching on prostitution this morning, would you feel that way? If If I was preaching on, I don't know, car burglar, I don't know, carjacking, would you be like, oh, here he goes, talking about carjacking again? Would you? No. But you feel like that whenever we talk about money. Why? God is telling you, man, that you're hooked on things of this world, that you're addicted to things of this world that you're investing, that your treasure is in this world where it's not going to last. And he's trying to tell you, make sure that you're rich in things that really matter. That's God diagnosing you and telling you, you've got a problem. The problem isn't me talking about it. The problem isn't the Bible. The problem's your heart. It's deceitfully wicked. If money is an issue, you need to deal with it. Let me just say it as bluntly as I can. If you got a problem with the fact that loving is giving, you have a heart problem. If you don't give time, treasure, and talent to God, you do not love God. Where there's no giving, there's no love. And I don't mean when the offering plate comes around. I mean, I do mean that. Where there's no giving, there isn't love. Name one relationship where there's giving, and where there's love and no giving. Where there is love, there is giving. It always is, and I'm not just talking about your money, but if you have an issue with that, it's a heart problem, heart problem. You know, my boyfriend, he just loves me so much. We, We never go out to eat, he never takes me anywhere. He didn't even get me a card for Valentine's Day, but he loves me, does he? No, no, where there's love, there is giving. And again, I'm not just talking about like money, but there's giving love gives for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. One of the greatest, now, how can we know? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How can we know, or how can we express the love of God and bra- and make sure that we're being generous? One of the ways we can do it is to give to people who are in need. And we talked about this recently, but give to people that need help. Jesus said this. Jesus said he's going to look at you one day. Matthew 25, verse 35, it says this. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. And what's going to happen is you're going to look at Jesus and be like, what are you talking about, man? When did I take you in? When did I feed you? What's this all? You know, none of that happened. And then look at Jesus' response down in verse 40. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. How would your life be different if you recognize how short it is? And that when we're helping others, when we invest in other people, especially other believers, it's the same thing as doing it for Jesus. Jesus. When your treasure is not in this world, but your treasure is in heaven, you don't hold on to stuff as tight as you used to. We hold on to things that are last forever. Our treasure is in heaven with God. And again, if all this talk about treasure conflicts with you at all, do business with God and get right with him. Number three, write this down. The third thing is we don't just want to be generous, but we want to live for what really matters. This is my favorite part of the sermon. This, This is the part that really hits home with me personally. I mean, think about it. Somebody's driving two miles an hour slower than you want them to. Can't find something you're looking for at the store. You got to stand in the checkout line. One of the kids spills something in the kitchen. Stock market goes down a couple of points. We lose our minds. I mean, honestly, it's sinful how often I've referred to people I don't even know as idiots. (laughs) Driving down the road, pull out right in front of you look at that idiot. Ultimately, I'm confessing, it It might have been you. I've seen the way you take out of here. Slow down. There's kids out there. There's babies out there. Slow down. But listen, in a hundred years from now, what does it matter? In a hundred years from now, what does it matter if you had to stand in the checkout line a couple more minutes? A hundred years from now, what does it matter you had to go two miles an hour slower than you wanted to? In a hundred years from now, what does it matter if you give somebody money and they, they took advantage of it? a hundred years from now, what does it matter? As a matter of fact, that's kind of the, that's like my new thing. I want to run my whole life through the filter. The, I'm calling it the 100 year filter that if it's not going to matter in a hundred years, it's not going to matter to me right now. I don't want to waste my time, my energy, my treasure, my talents, my heart, my affection. I don't want to waste my attention on anything that's not going to matter in a hundred years. If it's not going to matter in a hundred years, it's not going to be worth me spending my time on right now. So, So, So what matters? What's gonna matter in 100 years? People. People matter. People are always gonna matter. The one sitting next to you, the one sitting behind you that can't sing, the one sitting on the other side, the one sitting in front of you that thinks that you can't sing. People matter. Your family matters. Your kids matter. Your parents matter. Your in-laws, whether you like them or not, they matter. Your neighbors, the people at work, people who don't know Jesus, people that do know Jesus, people that aren't rich, people that are rich, they all matter to God. People matter. What else matters? Jesus, right? God's truth, God's word, the gospel, those things matter. And in our hearts, we know that it's true, but yet we live as if it's not true. Now the apostle Paul, toward the end of his life, uh, he's living as a prisoner and he's at that point where he doesn't know he could be executed anytime. He doesn't know, right? He has no idea how many days he has left, but he's got a pretty sneaky suspicion that it's coming to an end pretty quick. And so do you think that this prisoner, the Apostle Paul, who thinks he could die any day, could have some advice for us now in 2018? Look at it in your Bible. He said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. He said, but what things were gained to me, all this stuff, all this stuff that's going to end up at the wall, on the wall at Cracker Barrel. These I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost, everything, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I've lost everything for Jesus. Here he is. He's chained. He's a prisoner. He's going to die. And he's saying, I count, I've i lost everything everything and i count them as rubbish that i may gain christ i count it as garbage i count it as literally dung i count it as just filth i don't count all these things in my life i used to think were so important none of now that i'm at the end what could be the end of my life i recognize that none of those things are really important at all matter of fact it's not like it's not important i consider all those things straight up trash everything i thought was important man it's just not important Is it going to matter a hundred years from now? All the things that I thought was important are not important. Knowing Christ, that's what's important. People are what's important. Look at our verse one more time. Psalm 39, verse 4 and 5. Is this your prayer this morning? Whew, man. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. Is that your perspective? Are you living in reality, in the reality that you're a renter, that this is not all there is, and this is short and temporary, that there is an eternity to come? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that we would get our priorities right. Lord, help us to guard our hearts against greedy impulses. Lord, we thank you for things. We thank you for wealth that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for our riches and all of our treasures. Lord, but help us to be generous. Lord, give us an eternal perspective. Lord, help us to focus on what really matters, what really matters to you. God, that's what we want. We want what matters to you. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. So we keep praying. Be respectful of those around you. You Assume a posture of prayer. But if you're like me, man, it can almost be embarrassing how at different times in your life you can look at it and go, wow, I was really off track. I was just, I was not right. I was just so off track with my priorities. And maybe you recognize even with good intentions, you began to focus on things more than people. Things that don't last, things that don't matter, these temporary things that are right in front of us, while things that will matter 100 years from now, that's right in front of us too, but we're not investing, we're not storing up treasure in eternal things. The important things so often go ignored. That's been true in my life at different times. And I would have said, I'm like, I'm doing it for all the right reasons. But I was wrong. Those of you this morning, your prayer is, it's simple. You know, God, forgive me for allowing treasure to be in places that are temporary, that don't last. Lord, I want my treasure to be in heaven with you. Maybe your prayer this morning is this simple. Lord, make my priorities your priorities. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up. I'm going to pray with all of us all over the sanctuary. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father God, I just ask you to forgive us. Lord, I'm I'm grateful for your people that want to be serious with you about their treasure and their hearts. Lord, forgive us the time that we spent focusing on temporary things. Lord, we want our treasure to be with you. Lord, help us to be on guard against being greedy and all these cheap, temporary, insignificant things that the devil wants to pull us into. Lord, forgive us when our life shares the testimony that things are what's important. Lord, help us to be ridiculously generous. Lord, you know I don't mean just financially, but with our love and our attention and our time and our talents, and Lord, with our hearts. Lord, give us that focus on what really counts, what really matters. Lord, help us to focus on things that are eternal. And Lord, I just pray that one day we'll get to stand with you. And we'll talk about the least of these. And we'll know that we did it for you. Lord, make our lives, they're short, But God, make them count for you and your kingdom. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll just keep praying for just a moment. There are a lot of you right now, you you recognize through this message that you're not walking with God. That you've never really sold out to God. I mean, just talking about money made you so uptight in your stomach. I want to share with you the greatest truth I know, and that's this. That God loved you so much that he did something. He gave his only begotten son. He came born of a virgin. He lived that perfect life. You know how you mess up? He never messed up. He never sinned. He never fell short. He never missed the mark. And he lived that perfect life. And then he went to the cross on Calvary. And he was murdered. He was butchered for your sins and for my sins. But the good news is on the third day he was resurrected, he arose, and he ascended to his father. And right now this morning he's at the right hand of the father and he's praying for you and he's praying for me. He's praying for all of us. And he wants you to know him. Not just a head knowledge, not just like I know the story, but know him as your Lord and Savior. Do you know him? Look up for just a second. There's this Bible verse. Look at this next verse right here. 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Let's go to that next slide, guys. It says this, And the world is passing away. All our stuff, all our things, the wall of Cracker Barrel. The world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever he who does now that even sounds that sounds hard oh i've got to do the will of god it sounds like you've got to do something to abide forever and that's not the case what does jesus want for you what is the will of god for your life that you turn from your sin and you trust jesus christ as your lord and savior that it's not he doesn't care where you've been what you've done what you've seen He doesn't care what people think about you. He doesn't care what people know about you. All he cares about right now is that he sent his son to die as that perfect sacrifice for your sins so that you can repent, man, and turn and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you can do it right now. It doesn't matter what she says. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You do it. You do it right now. You trust Christ, and he will save you, redeem you. first time in your life, you'll have peace with God. Nothing satisfies. The world is passing away. And we're just eating cotton candy. The junk of this world. And Jesus is telling us man, he who does the will of God abides forever. Trust him. You do that, you'll be born into the family of God. You'll be different. He'll give you his Holy Spirit to live inside your heart. You'll have resurrection power in your life. You will walk with God. You will talk with God. You will hear from God like you never have before because you've never been in the family. You trust Christ, you're in the family. Trust him. Be born into the family of God. Treasure on earth, treasure in heaven you receive Christ and you really get saved, Jesus will be your treasure in heaven. Jesus will outshine all this garbage in your life to such an extent you'll be like Paul when he said it's all rubbish. He will be your treasure. You need him. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we thank you again for your word. I just pray that your people those that you're calling are listening. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning right now, you need Jesus. You need to be saved. You need to be forgiven. And I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to drag you down an aisle. I just want to pray with you. This is between you and God. If you're here right now and you know you need to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to do that right now, just slip your hand up all over the sanctuary. God bless you. God bless you. Over God bless you. Who else? Listen, pray a prayer like this. Just be sincere with God. Be humble with God and just simply come and say, God, Father God, I'm a sinner. Tell him, right there in your seat, Lord, I'm a sinner. I sin. But Lord, I'm turning from my sin. I repent and I'm trusting Jesus Christ to save me. Tell him, Lord, I'm giving Jesus everything. All of me I understand. I surrender to all of Jesus I understand. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my trust in your death, burial, and resurrection. You, Christ alone, in Christ alone, save me, Jesus. The Bible is clear. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You just prayed that prayer and you're honest with God. He just made your heart new. You've received the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you to make that decision public. One of the first things that God asks us to do when we get saved, give our heart to Christ, is to follow through in believer's baptism. Maybe you're here this morning. You've prayed that prayer. You need to follow through in believer's baptism. Maybe you've prayed sometime before, and you've never come forward. Man, you need to follow through and be baptized. Maybe you're here, and you know that your baptism is on the wrong side of your salvation. And it's so, it happens so often. You're like, yeah, I got baptized back here, but I know I didn't really get saved. We want you to have that in the right order. Maybe you need to come this morning and we'll pray with you and celebrate with you. We'll set that time up for you. Maybe God is calling you to come and be a part of the Grace Baptist family. God wants you to store up treasure in heaven from right here to serve, to use your time, treasure, and talents right here at Grace, to be a part of the team. Put on on the jersey. Make it official. Why don't you come this morning? We'll pray with you and celebrate that. But we want you to do business with God this morning. What is it? What is it? Where are you storing up treasure in your life other than in heaven? Does something else have priority or possession of your heart other than Christ? I want to encourage you. Do business with God during this invitation. Father God, this invitation is yours. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us?